today <clears throat> is an interesting subject, de demystifying the mind. So I was speaking to somebody about this the other day and I quite understand. So I've, I've been on a personal journey of understanding the nature of the mind um, and and also things like uh, delved into psychology and read many spiritual books and some wisdom wisdom tradition books and so on for a number of years but I'm aware that from and without doing that it all seems so terribly complicated and one of the great tragedies this is one of the great tragedies of our culture is that it benefits many people to create a mystique around the mind um, then uh, they add complex glossaries and terminologies uh, and then they 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 can have some seemingly unique knowledge about the mind and this is something that everybody's got we've all got a mind yes our, our experience of our mind is it's it's individual but it's whatever whatever you're experiencing especially around meditation it's a lot more common than you may believe um and the reason for that is after teaching many now tens of thousands of people online and in person over the course of the last sort of seven or eight years the similarities massively outweigh the differences <clears throat> and so if you just take those similarities these are the, these are the common elements of the mind that um and, and a lot of them are places that psychology just doesn't go Look, look for research papers on thought. Virtually non-existent. Um, yeah, you know this, uh, this is the science of the mind, and there are hardly any research papers on thought. I don't, I can't see how you can possibly <laughs> rationalise that. So now. To, to demystify it, what I what I did is I, I had a look at what I've learned and both from my own experience and from the feedback that I get from my students and from the studies that I've done. And there are some things that are self-evident. You can you can just look, just notice, and there it is. Um that that can be explained very, very simply and it really benefit you in your entire life because once you understand these fundamental concepts and you can apply them to your own mind and your own experience and your meditation practices and so on you can see it in other people as well and so it's a it's a big plus so there's there's a couple of things <clears throat> that work together in a particular sort of way There's a thing called the interpreter. And there's a thing called the schema. And so if I just explain these two things, 
they will give you an insight into how how the mind and the brain operate and and kind of gives gives us a you know what what is thought there you go you know so what what does it do what purpose does it does it have uh in in this case all i'm actually referring to when i speak about thought is the narrative okay so there's an there's a narrative running in most people's heads um and it it tends to be um a narrative of rationalization and justification what it's trying to do is to take our actions and make them consistent and make them appropriate and also our thoughts and our beliefs um, and and what it's trying to make them appropriate with is a set of beliefs that we have known as the schema so the schema has been known around known about for a very long time one one way or another uh, and what all the schema is is a set of beliefs that we have about the world so when we encounter something new or we have a new experience or an unexpected experience what happens is that the interpreter tries to rationalize that tries to make it consistent with the schema so here's one of my favorite quotes i i thought i read Warren Buffett had said this but I wasn't able to find it again and that is what human beings are best at is interpreting every new experience in a way that's consistent with what they already believe that's, that's worth repeating what we're best at is interpreting every new experience in a way that's consistent with what we already believe and when you when you see when you think about that that's that's the interpreter what it's doing is it's taking this new experience and it could be somebody's behavior there's there's a perfect example you know you, you've got a relationship with somebody and everything seems fine and then one day uh, they say or do something and it, it it's it, it's either shocking or it's uh, outrageous or unexpected or whatever it might happen to be <clears throat> and then what happens is the interpreter goes into overdrive trying to make sense of this that's a, well, a wholly unhelpful experience so the, the 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 reason the interpreter got its name uh, was through a set of experiences uh, sorry a set of uh, experiences as well actually um, a set of studies by a great neuroscientist called Michael Gazzaniga who spoke to people who'd had their right and left hemispheres separated and he wanted to under this is the brain the brain splits into two basically and it's linked by an area called the corpus callosum and so what because these people were suffering from a terrible form of epilepsy the corpus callosum was severed and their two separate parts of their brain were were separated um, and so what he did is he inquired uh, and spoke to each separate part of the brain and you can do that because you know you're you're 
I'm not sure if you're aware, but on a line down the center of the body, the body kind of mirrors the the brain, so the left-hand part of the brain, um, that, that operates the right-hand side of the body, the right eye and so on, and the left-hand part of the body is connected to the right-hand part of the brain. And he discovered that you, you could you could instruct the subject to do something using one part of the brain and the other part of the brain wouldn't know why it had been done. <clears throat> and so what he discovered was that if you sent some signals to the right-hand side of the brain, oh, sorry, to, to the right-hand side of the body and instructed the left-hand side of the brain to do something and then you then asked the right hemisphere why did you do that it would say well, I don't know don't know why I stood up I don't know why I drew a chicken but if you do it the other way round so you in you send signals to to the say the left eye the right hand side of the brain interp uh, right hand side of the brain does something and then you go and ask the left hemisphere, you say, why did you do that? It makes up a little story. <clears throat> and these stories can be absurd. So, you know, let's say you instruct the right hemisphere to stand up and you ask the left hemisphere, why did you stand up? It will say, oh, I'm because I need to go to the loo or I just need, I just felt more comfortable. And it got really interesting when it, when it came to questions such as why did you draw a chicken, you know? And it seems the left left hemisphere spins this story to explain our experience. And that, that's the interpreter. So the scheme is the beliefs. They don't change very easily. The interpreter's the story. So when you have that experience, <clears throat> when someone behaves in an unexpected way or something unexpected happens, and your thought processes go into overdrive, trying to explain it that's your interpreter at work yeah that accounts for an awful lot of our playtime an awful lot of the time that the narrative runs in our head busily going over the past the future trying to interpret other people's thoughts and beliefs to try to explain why they're doing what they're doing and what they're, why they're thinking what they're thinking. If you think about that, you can write it down, you can you know, have, have a look at the books. Uh, what I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll add some links to books in the uh, description in YouTube and this YouTube video and so you can read about it yourself if you think this is a little bit far-fetched uh, and then so that then then in a in a in an instant with these two simple concepts a lot of the noise in our heads is explained that's that's what it's doing trying to interpret external reality to align with a set of beliefs that we've already got and, and it, this is one of the reasons it's repetitive right so if you've got repetitive thoughts it's because they don't quite match what you believe and you don't know what you believe 
your your thoughts aren't really a very good indicator of that what you do that tells you what you believe okay so there couldn't be any simpler than that could it well i hope i hope it's simple enough for you to understand okay so that, that that's that's the yada 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 in the mind and that's what we experience quite a lot when we meditate and so what I'll do today is meditations that will help you to become aware of the the chatter in the mind and become familiar and comfortable with it because that's the process that we apply don't don't try to silence the mind you get the opposite instead become familiar with it and know what it's doing often it's just trying to make sense of a complex world and what you you already know and what you believe doesn't align with what's happening out there and and there's there's a sense of discomfort and there's a chatter um and we want to be able to work with that okay so if you've never meditated before if you sit comfortably you can either close your eyes or look down at the floor with your eyes half shut and you can just get rid of that you can listen to the sound of the bell moving through time Just noticing the movement of the sound of the bell. Stay with it. And in the background, notice the breath causing the belly to rise and fall. Noticing the belly moving through time. The movement of the belly is like the ticking of a clock. It's marking the movement of time. doing is noticing the movement if it's not obvious to you it might help if you put your fingers on the belly and you can notice the movement rising and falling 
if your mind is very busy then you can repeat in your mind rising falling It doesn't matter about the thoughts. Thoughts will come and thoughts will go. Thoughts will arise and thoughts will subside. So if you check in with the body, from time to time, noticing your posture, noticing if your elbows are by the side, noticing if your head's balanced comfortably on top of the spine, and releasing any tension that might arise. Just let it go with the out-breath. Just let it drift away with the out-breath. Whatever tension there is, whatever emotions there are, whatever feelings, discomfort, whatever it might happen to be, just letting it drift away with the out-breath. And then back to noticing that tiny movement. Belly rising. Belly falling.
Just noticing that tiny movement. So this isn't a competition with the thoughts because the thoughts are something else that's happening in our awareness. because the awareness can include the thoughts as well as the movement of the belly. But that's what we're focused on. Just that tiny movement. Remembering to check in with the body every so often. Check in with your posture. Is the head balanced comfortably on the spine or the elbows by the side? Noticing any tension that's crept in. Just releasing it with the out-breath. Just let it all drift away with the out-breath. If there's any anxiety, let that drift away with the out-breath. If there's any discomfort, let that drift away with the out-breath. Tension. Tiredness. Let that drift away with the out-breath. And then back to noticing the movement of the belly. Rising. Falling.
And what we're going to do now, it's helpful for those of you with a busy mind, many of us have an internal narrative, the chatter of the mind, trying to make sense of the complex world, yada yada yada, but it's our mind and that inner dialogue, that inner voice, that's ours. So what we do is we take that voice and use that inner voice to count our breaths. We count the in and out breaths. That's one on the in breath, two on the out breath, three on the in breath, four on the out breath, up to 10. When we get to 10, begin at one. When we lose count, begin at one. That's counting one on the in-breath, two on the out-breath, three on the in-breath, four on the out-breath, up to ten. Get to ten, begin at one, lose count, begin at one. Could be focused on the movement of the belly, which is the most frictionless for most people. Or you can notice the breath in the nostrils or wherever, wherever it's easy for you. One on the in-breath, two on the out-breath, three on the in-breath, four on the out-breath, up to ten. Get to ten, back to one, lose count, back to one. We'll just practice that for the next few minutes. It's called counting the breaths. Count one on the in-breath, comma, two on the out-breath, comma, three on the in-breath, comma, four on the out-breath, hyphen, up to ten. Full stop. Then begin at one. Lose count, comma, begin at one.
Okay, so now we're going to move into another meditation. Directly into it. We're aware of the breath. Noticing the breath rising and falling. And we're aware of many other things. There's sounds. There's awareness of the body, how cool or warm or comfortable or uncomfortable or tired or alert or tense or relaxed we are. What we can smell and taste. And there are also the thoughts arising in the mind. So what we're going to do is patiently wait for thoughts to arise. And when a thought arises, what we do is note that a thought has arisen. We do that by repeating in the mind, thinking, thinking. So we're noticing the breath, calmly waiting, patiently for thoughts. Thought arises. We note that a thought has arisen by saying in the mind, thinking, thinking. And then back to waiting for the next thought. and repeat. This is called noting thoughts or labeling the thoughts. Just practice this for the next few minutes. Waiting for thoughts to arise, comma, when thoughts arise, comma, say in the mind, thinking, comma, thinking, full stop, back to patiently waiting for thoughts, full stop.
Okay, so now then back to noticing the breath. Either in the belly or the nostrils. Check in with your physiology. Do you have a comfortable posture? Are your elbows by the side? Is your head balanced comfortably on top of the spine? Might help if you place your tongue up against the back of the top teeth, gently in contact with the sharp part of the bottom teeth. You find you naturally breathe in and out through the nostrils. And either noticing the breath moving the belly, or the breath in the nostrils. Or just noticing the breath. If the mind wanders, gently Patiently return your attention to the breath and repeat. This is probably 3,000 years old. It's called following the breath. Noticing the breath, comma, mind wanders, comma, return your attention to the breath, comma, repeat, full stop. This is called following the breath, full stop. Again, we're indifferent to the thoughts. Thoughts arise, thoughts subside.
are gently moving your attention from the breath to the sound of this bell. sitting and in your very own time gently return your attention to your surroundings okay so there's a a little bit of um, mind demystification is that much of thought is trying to make sense of our external reality and the, the test for it is the set of beliefs that we have that are known as the schema. Um, and often these beliefs are interlinked. Because of this, we believe that. Because of that, we believe something else and so on. And it's not designed to change very easily. So what happens is we'll look at the external reality and try very, very hard to fit it into what we already believe before we'll say, oh, actually, hang on a second. Everything's different. <laughs> 